Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200. Thanks for joining me here on this podcast, Raising Daughters. This is Dr. Tim Jordan. I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician who works with girls in lots of capacities. I counsel girls in an office practice several days a week. I put on personal growth, leadership development, personal growth retreats. I'm sorry, weekend retreats and summer camps for girls. My wife and I have a school program called Strong Girls, Strong World, where we go into schools and work with classrooms of girls, teams of girls. I travel a lot, give talks, not so much in the last year because of COVID, but typically I would travel, oh, 10, 12 times a year. <clears throat> and I also do a lot of writing, do the podcast. I've written six books. And this topic for today, I came up with a long time ago. Because I was seeing so many young people so stressed out about not knowing what they want to do with their life. So I want to offer you and your daughters today some inspirational stories of some very eminent people about how they found their calling. And today I'm going to talk about what I call my DOT theory, D-O-T theory. Let me explain what that means. I imagine many of you and even your daughters have done some of those connect the dot drawings along the way where the dots were numbered and you'd look at the picture with just the dots and you had no idea what it was going to be, what the picture was. So you just started to connect the dots. So you go one, two, three, four, five. Eventually, enough of the dots would have connected that you would start to see a picture emerge. And you would keep connecting more dots and more dots and more dots until by the end, a picture would emerge and you go, oh, there's a clown or there's a Christmas tree or there is a whatever. So at first, you had no idea what the final picture would be. So you would just start connecting dots. So the metaphor for me is this. I don't think young people need to know the final picture, even though that's what they're pressured to do these, in this day and age. I heard, a story, I heard a story a long time ago about um, a man who was on an African safari, and he noticed a herd of elephants walking down a road in a very orderly fashion, being led by a trainer. And the only thing linking, linking these animals together was a thin chain attached around their front right leg. The man asked the trainer how, how such a weak chain could hold these huge, powerful elephant beasts. And the trainer's answer was revealing. He said, we used the same chain to restrict their movements when they were young. So they were taught to believe that the chain would constrain them, even though they are bigger, stronger, and could easily break free. That, my friends, is the power of, of cultural conditioning unless we shine the light of awareness on it. And the conditioning I think kids are receiving today about their futures is that they should know the final picture. I see girls as young as 7th, 8th grade stressed out about their futures. Like they should know what college they're going to, what their major is, what their life's work is, what's their job going to be. And as they, as they go along the path towards their freshman, sophomore, junior years, and senior years in high school, the pressure just amps up. 
And the pressure is coming from parents, it's coming from teachers, it's coming from high school counselors, the college counselors, it's coming from the, the colleges themselves. We're pushing kids to know the final picture when they're young and they don't need to know yet. So I developed my dot theory to try and help girls to relax. So what I tell them is, you don't need to know the final picture. Your job is just to be open to dots. And dots are experiences across your path that you feel drawn to for whatever reason. Because it might seem fun, just seems like the right thing to do. You feel drawn to it. You have an urge to do it. That if you have an urge to do something or you, or you want to follow your heart, then you do it. Not because of a final picture, because in this moment, at this point in my life, just seems like the right thing to do. And what happens is that dot leads to another one. And then another experience crosses your path. And then over many months and many, many years, every one of our drawings starts to connect without us having to force it. So let me offer you some stories to demonstrate what I mean by the dot theory. And I'll start with a personal story. Um, when I was a, a kid, I grew up with five younger sisters. So I was a big brother to five younger sisters, and I spent a lot of time uh, parenting them, in a sense. My dad worked long hours, so especially for the two youngest sisters who were nine and ten years younger, I was like their second dad, if you will. So I learned to take care of, of kids, especially girls. Um, when, I was a, when I was a kid in middle school and high school, I, I worked in summer camps for, so, for four summers, excuse me. I remember um, at the end of the summer, when I was, I think, a sophomore in high school, one of my sisters was working at a place called the United Cerebral Palsy Association here in St. Louis. And she was working with the adult program. But she told me, hey, you should volunteer for the kids program. It's, I think you'd like it. And at first I was kind of like, I don't know, I've never worked with kids with disabilities and wah, wah. But I ended up doing it and I loved it. I worked, for, I volunteered for a week that summer working with kids who were, as I remember, like five, six, seven years of age. And I helped feed them and I helped, we took them to the pool, we'd swim with them. It just was just different and fun. So the next summer I quit my job two weeks early and I volunteered for two weeks that, that summer. Uh, when I was a senior in high school, my second semester, uh, I used to take my grandmother a couple times a month to, uh, to get some chemotherapy. I would get off school around lunchtime, take her, and I would take her back home. And then I would go and skip school, and I would join some from friends who were girls from another school who were doing senior projects, and they were working at the Missouri School for the Deaf. I'm sorry, they were working for a, uh, a local school for the deaf. And so I would hang out with them for the afternoon, and I, and I would play with the kids. And these kids who were deaf were just different. Their energy was different. They were fun. I really enjoyed the experience. So there's lots of more, lots more dots on this path. I'm just going to mention a few. When I was in, uh, in medical school, I used to go with, with one of the uh, instructors to the Missouri School for the Deaf, and we would, we would work with and evaluate kids who were, who were hearing impaired. When I was in my residency, I got a job the last two years, like a moonlighting job. I was the medical director of a place called Northview, which was a, a residential facility for severely handicapped kids. Um, I decided after my after medical school and my residency to do a two-year fellowship in developmental and behavioral pediatrics. I did a year in Oregon, did a year in Boston, 
And I finally came back to St. Louis to start my, my work. And I did part-time uh, pediatrics. I, I mean, I was working in a pediatrics practice, but I wanted to start doing some of my developmental stuff. And so I thought, well, maybe I should go, go and do a quick interview at the United Cerebral Palsy, like where I had worked many summers ago. So I set up a meeting with the, with the director. And when I walked into the director's office, I saw this guy behind the desk. I said, Dennis? He said, Tim? And we both walked up and hugged because the two of us had been counselors together those two summers years before at, that, at the camp. And he gave me a job, very part-time, I think it was a half day a week, uh, being the medical director of that facility. So that particular dot drawing came full circle. And all along the way, I didn't do any of those things like work in the camp or whatever because I wanted someday to be the medical director of the UCP. I did it because it just seemed like fun. Most adults have stories like that. Let me just let me tell you a couple of them. There's a woman named Kalpana Chawla who was the first female Indian astronaut. And when she was growing up, she was a very curious girl, apparently, who would sit on her roof and watch airplanes soar overhead. She was just enamored by them. She made elaborate school projects that depicted space and twinkling stars and the universe. When she was a teen, she joined a local flying club, and she convinced her dad to take her for rides in small airplanes. She was fascinated with the sky and space. She went to college. She uh, ended up majoring in aeronautical engineering. She was the only woman in her classes. And she was urged at every step to choose a different career because women just didn't do that. She kept plowing ahead. She got her PhD. She eventually moved to the U.S. as a researcher at NASA. And she was selected for the astronaut program. And in 1997, her dream came true as she traveled 252 times around the Earth as the first female Indian astronaut. Nice story. There was a kid named Jim years ago who has an interesting story. He loved watching movies growing up, and afterwards he would reenact the scenes with all his buddies. He would build elaborate props and sets and costumes. He also loved listening to comedians on radio shows. In high school, he designed and built sets and created posters for the drama club, for plays, and, and for the theater club, as well as joining the puppetry club. At, at the end of his senior year of high school, he got a job at a uh, CBS affiliate TV station manipulating marionettes for a children's show on TV. At that point, Jim considered himself an artist, a designer, but if puppetry got him into TV, that was fine with him for now. He went to college to study stage design and art, and when he took a, a new puppetry class in college with a new teacher, he ended up taking over the class because the teacher didn't know anything. He got a job in college doing puppetry for an NBC station, and he gradually received more and more attention and more and more airtime. But all the time he was in college, he never took puppetry seriously. He saw it only as a means to an end, i.e. work in TV and movies as a set designer. That was his goal. And he said at the time, puppetry did not seem like a thing a grown-up man works at for a living. Looking back at his career, Jim Henson says, it's certainly not a career that you would plan you would not decide to become a puppeteer. I had no desire to become a performer. My interest was in TV, film, and art, and puppetry ended up combining all of them. I thought I would only do puppetry for a short time. But Jim Henson, Henson 
just kept embracing all those opportunities, all those dots that came his way. And it culminated in him becoming an internationally acclaimed puppeteer, a filmmaker, a documentarian, and of course, the co-creator of Sesame Street and all those wonderful characters that we know of. Nice story. Let me tell you another one about Diane Sawyer. Diane Sawyer, in her senior year of high school, this is in 1963, I think, she won first place in the annual National America's Junior Miss Scholarship pageant. And she won by the strength of her poise when she was doing her interviews. And so from 1962 to 1965, Diane Sawyer was America's Junior Miss, and she traveled the country promoting the Coca-Cola Pavilion at the 1964-65 New York World's Fair. At first, she thought it would be a terrifying experience, but it taught her to, to think on her feet and to do so with poise and grace, and she became good at that. She went to college. She graduated. She attended one semester of law school at the University of Louisville, but got tired of it, and she came home. And at that point, she felt stuck. She had no plans, no, no, no motivation, nothing she was passionate about. And her dad apparently sat her down. He asked her three questions. What is it that you love? Where is the most adventurous place you could do it? And are you certain it will serve other people? Well, Diane thought about it. She realized that she loved stories. She loved writing stories. And she also loved sharing them. And she noticed that there was no woman doing any news reporting in the state of Kentucky at that point. And so she, and so she got a job at, an, at, an, at a, a TV station starting as a weather girl, which apparently was a disaster for her. But somehow she finagled into doing some news stories, and she got better and better at that. She moved on, and she worked for the, uh, the uh, Richard Nixon press office when he was in the White House. She joined CBS News as a general assignment reporter, was promoted to political correspondent. Eventually, she, in 1981, she became the co-anchor with Charles Corralt of The Morning Show on CBS in 1984, she became the first female correspondent on 60 Minutes, which was a big deal. She switched over to ABC News to co-anchor the primetime live news magazine with Sam Donaldson. Uh, she moved on at some point to co-anchor ABC's 2020 show. And then she finally became the co-anchor of Good Morning America with Charles Gibson. And all that started as America's Junior Miss Scholarship winner. Amazing story. One more story for you. This is about a man named Nathan Sawaye. And he, as a kid, loved building with Legos. So he would get the box sets and follow the directions and make those little things. But when he was nine years old, he kept wanting a dog. And he kept asking and bothering his parents. And they refused, they refused. And they finally said, you're not going to get a dog. And he was so frustrated and so disappointed he channeled those emotions into building a life-size dog of his own with his Legos. And he remembers that as being kind of an aha moment, like an epiphany moment, because he realized that he could build from his imagination instead of just following the prescribed designs. And from that day forward, if he thought about becoming an astronaut, he would build himself a rocket. If he moved on to wanting to be a rock star, he would build a Lego guitar. He went away to college and then to law school. Every time he went to those schools, he kept a box of Legos hidden under his bed and he would periodically bring them out to play with, to build stuff with. 
He moved on after law school to become a very successful merger and acquisitions lawyer, but he still continued to create designs with his Legos. And his friends would come over and they would see these really cool, these really cool sculptors. And they'd say, those are so cool. You should sell those. And so he began to accept commissions for his sculptures. And he got more and more until one day his artwork website crashed because of so much traffic. And at that moment, he decided to make a change. He walked into his boss's office the next day and he told him, I'm going to play with toys for the rest of my life full time. Since that time, uh, Nathan Sawoya has traveled worldwide displaying and selling his Lego pieces. And he typically has around 1.5 million Legos in his design studio. Nathan found his passion. So, Jim Henson didn't sign on to doing marionettes on TV because he wanted to become a puppeteer and start a TV show called uh, Sesame Street. Diane Sawyer didn't do her junior Miss Passion because she wanted to be a TV news anchor. And Nathan, Nathan Sawoya didn't play with Legos because he wanted to be an international Lego sculptor. And Kalpana Chawla didn't draw uh, beautiful pictures about stars and things because someday she wanted to be an astronaut. She just loved space and the universe. So, like those examples, I want all of our kids to be open to dots, to follow their heart, and to follow what seems like fun without worrying how it all fits together. Let me tell you a quick story that I read years ago that I like a lot. And it's about the famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright. He remembered one day taking a walk with his uh, traditional kind of conservative uncle. And he walked across this snow-covered field. He was about nine years old at the time. When they got to the edge of the field, his uncle told him to look back over both of their tracks. And he told Frank to notice how his footprints meandered back and forth, back and forth, from the trees on one side to looking at some cattle on the other, and then across the way where he was throwing sticks. And the uncle said, notice that my path came straight across right to my goal. And he told Frank to never forget that lesson. And Frank Lloyd Wright didn't forget the lesson, but not as his uncle had imagined. Because he decided then and there to never miss out on most things in life like his uncle had. Frank Lloyd Wright decided to forge his own path. So I don't want our kids to all be stuck on the same one path kind of prescribed path, which is get great grades in school and go to college and get a good job, and make a lot of money. And that's what we're sort of smashing kids onto that path these days. And we're also pressuring them to know that final picture, even though the truth is that most adults, when they were 15, 17, 18, 20, 22, didn't know. And so I tell young people, Interview every adult you meet and ask them their story. Ask them, how'd you get to where you are? Whatever you're doing today, if you found your calling, your passion, how'd you get here? Ask them, when you were my age, when you were 15, 17, 18, 20, did you know at that point you'd be doing what you're doing now at the age of 40 or 50? And I, I guarantee that 95% of those adults did not know. I have talked to, interviewed successful business people all around the world for the past 20 years. And I always ask them their stories because I love stories, as I think you can probably tell from these podcasts. And I always ask them, how'd you get here? What was your background? Did you know when you were 18 that you'd be doing this today? And almost nobody says that. And nobody goes in a straight line from A to Z. 
they zigzag, they meander from here to there, here to there, and eventually they find their calling. That, my friends, is how life really works. That's how you find your calling and your destiny and your purpose and your meaningful work in life. So I want our kids to not be so stressed out um, because they don't know what they're going to do with their life at this point or even know what they're good at or what their passion is. A lot of girls tell me they're upset because they don't know what, they're, what they want to do with their life, not just that, but what, they, what they're passionate about. And they're like 10 or 12 or 15. And I tell them, you may not find it yet. Keep being open to dots. Take off the pressure and relax. It's okay. You're on track for your track. Be open to dots. Follow your heart. Trust your urges. And trust that life will unfold for you marvelously in its own way and in its own time. Let me, let me leave you here with two uh, quick quotes that kind of describe my dot theory. The first is by Steve Chandler, and it goes like this. Listen to the clues. The next time you feel real joy, stop and think. Pay attention. Because joy is the universe's way of knocking on your mind's door. Hello in there. Is anybody home? Can I leave a message? Good. The message is that you are happy, and that means you are in touch with your purpose. Great quote. Last one is by Joseph Campbell. And it goes like this. Follow your bliss. You put yourself on a kind of track that has been there all the while waiting for you. And the life you ought to be living is the one you are living. When you can see that, you begin to meet people who are in your field of bliss. And they open doors for you. Follow your bliss and don't be afraid. And doors will open where you didn't know they were going to be. Be open to dots. Trust yourself. Trust that life will unfold for you the way it's supposed to. And my friends, relax and enjoy the ride. That's what my dot theory is all about. Hope you and your daughter is enjoying this podcast and any of the ones that pertain to them. I will be back here in a few weeks with another podcast. Please share this with all your friends. I really appreciate that. Check out all the things I do on my website at www.drtimjordan.com. Thanks so much for stopping by and relax and enjoy the ride. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.